Well, good morning, Meadowland Church. How y'all doing? I'm so excited that I get to be here today to speak the word of God to you guys. Uh, I was so thrilled when Pastor Steve reached out to have me be a part of this amazing series that you guys are launching into. Uh, so as, as we do get into that, I do want you to know a little bit about the guy who's standing here before you. I won't, I won't sit here and talk about myself too much, though. Uh, but uh, I, as, as Pastor Steve said, I am uh, the spiritual growth pastor at Torch of Faith Church. Uh, I have been uh, as a pastor in that specific role for about a year and a half, but I've been a pastor in multiple roles for about four years, and uh, it's been an amazing experience. Uh, I'll tell you, uh, I, know, I know there's some Marvel fans in the house here, uh, and I say that because when I uh, was ordained as a pastor on stage, actually my pastor and I were going back and forth, our lead pastor, we were going back and forth and like, oh, so, so what do you want them to call you? Is it Pastor Armand or maybe more like the black church tradition, is it Pastor Sheffy? And I'm like, I, I don't know. So we get up there on stage and he, he introduces me and he says, well, I don't know what you guys are going to call him, but I'm going to call him Pastor Fury. And that was a la Samuel L. Jackson uh, from his role as Nick Fury in the Avengers. And it was right around the time when that movie came out. And you guys, it stuck. So uh, if you want, you can call me Pastor Fury or just Fury. But I promise, it's a very ironic title because, like, I'm not, like, an angry guy. I don't walk around with, in a furious rage, though I am excitable. So I, I want to let you guys know that uh, you, might, you might see a little bit of spit. Sorry, you know, go Bears. Uh, uh, um, there's definitely going to be some sweat, so I've got my sweat rag, and, and I try to stay hydrated because uh, I, I do kind of preach with a little bit of, of furious energy. Uh, but that's a little bit about me. Um, I'm also uh, a big Bears fan. Uh, I, love, I love football. Uh, my wife, uh, let, let's get a picture of my, my awesome family here. So on the, on the far right there, you see my wife, Larissa. Uh, she has a, an amazing blended. I love this, uh, this concept, this, this uh, uh, you know, theme of blended family. She comes from an amazing blended background herself, where her mother is 100% Honduran. Her father is 100% Italian. She was born in Honduras and was raised in Rome. And then she came here on a visa, and I was like, you're special. You're not going anywhere. You're sticking around. So uh, we've been married for 14 years, and then to uh, her left is my daughter, Layla. Uh, she's 12 years old, and she's, she's a lot like her dad, a little spitfire ball of energy. Love her to death. And then there's my son, Mateo, uh, who is four, and uh, he's on the autism spectrum. And what I love about this kid is he's got such energy and joy. Like, you cannot stop this kid from having a good time. So that's my family. I wanted you to know a little bit about me and uh, you know, the guy that's standing here before you. Um, I'll tell you, so I, I love the family that God puts together, right? The family that I've got, the family that, that we are, are as a part of the, the body of Christ. And he, he does this amazing thing with like his math, right? Like God has cool math. Now, growing up, you guys, I hated math. Like, sorry, kids, like you should like do math. Like it's awesome. It's brilliant. But I couldn't stand math, especially when I got to algebra. I was like, what is this? You, letters? Like, I thought this was all about numbers, you know. But, but God's math, it's simple. At the same time, it doesn't necessarily make natural sense. What he does is he takes one plus one, and then it equals one. It's like he, he does this thing where he adds things together, and, and it all comes out to one. Because we are one. We are all united. We are all one in the body of Christ. And I want you to understand that if there's one thing that you walk out of here with today, it's this understanding of God's math, that one plus one equals one. Now, I'm going to start us off with a, um, 
a biblical understanding of that as we look at uh, the prayer that Jesus uh, actually had uh, in John. I didn't give it to the slides. This is something that the Lord put on my heart as I was practicing over this, this weekend. But in John uh, chapter 17, if you've got your, your Bibles there, you can check it out there. This passage is actually from the ESV. But I'm, I'm going to set it up really quickly here. Uh, we've got Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane as, as he's approaching uh, his time, his final time to shine on the cross and die for our sins. He is now praying. He's doing a prayer for the believers and for those that will hear their message. And, and there's a lot of things that he prays for in that, but the main thing is unity. Unity. And if we skip to uh, verse 23 in that, he says, I pray that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me. And have loved them even as you loved me. He's praying for unity. That we would be perfectly one, completely one. That we would have this common unity that he's built with his math. That one plus one equals one. And God, he embraces us all. And he says, come to me. Come to me, those who are weak, those who are weary, those who are tired, those who are broken down. Come to me. I want to embrace you. I love you. Now I'll tell you guys. My wife, the reason why she was here on a, a work visa when uh, she, she came to this country was because she was in the travel industry. She loves travel, and she's gotten me kind of excited about it as well in, in recent years. And I remember uh, a couple of summers ago, my wife uh, went back to Rome to visit her family. She'd taken the kids with for a couple of weeks. And, and it was cool for the first couple of days. I was like, yes, I can just watch TV. But you guys, like day three hit, and I was like, the house is too quiet. Like, I want my family. What is, what is going on? I don't, I don't know what to do with myself. So I was so excited when they finally returned. And I remember rushing to the airport. I got there like an hour early and was like, where are they? Where are they? And then they finally came through the doors. I ran up to them. I got down on my knees. And I was just walking them into my arms and embracing them. And we had this sweet, beautiful moment of one group hug, one big family embrace. And I believe that is a great picture of our Father in heaven. That's a great picture of God, what he's desiring. All those that have been far, all those who have been estranged from him would be running home, would be returning to him, and he just rushes up, stoops down low, and embraces us all. So today we're going to really narrow in on what God embraces. What does God truly embrace? And and Pastor Steve introed it a little bit about the mission that God has us on. He's embraced us, he's made us one, and then he says, now go, go. And go to Jerusalem, go to Judea, go to Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So, yes, we should, we should be uh, embracing and loving the community right where we are. But also those in the region, those in our you know, extended areas, and wherever else we have opportunity to go. God is sending us all. And he's sending us as one. And you guys, um, you know this from, from the, the kind of the subtext of this about every nation, every tribe, that That's what the picture of heaven is going to be, if you don't already know. Heaven, when you get there, it's not going to be all one race. It's not going to be all one, you know, background. You're going to have the most diverse place you've ever imagined. It'll be like the Panda Express experience tenfold. And, And guess what, you guys? If we don't start to embrace the common unity here today on earth, I'm guessing it might be a little awkward in heaven, right? So, get, get used to that fact now. In Revelation 7, 9, it tells us that, that this was a, a picture that John had been given 
uh, of what heaven's going to look like. And he says, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. So yes, they were from all backgrounds, all nations, all tribes, all languages, but they were all in one accord. They were all united, worshiping the Lamb, wearing all the robes, worshiping him with palm branches. So they were united. So the question that we have to ask as we're really determining, are we actually leading as the church, the global church, are we actually leading the charge and embracing unity, embracing diversity? That's the question that we need to ask as we ask what God embraces and how can we embrace what God embraces. So the text we're going to be focusing on today is uh, Acts chapter 10. Uh, So if if you've got your your text, you can pull that out. I'm actually going to be reading from the NIV, but it'd be great for you to see what it says in the ESV as I read along here. So here we've got uh, Luke, who's the author of Acts, who's who's basically uh, giving us the, the rundown of Peter and his encounter, not only with God, but with someone who he would consider as an other, someone who was an outsider, someone who uh, was not part of their group, right? So Peter, he was a Jew, and, and he came from Jewish culture. And, and when the word of God came in and salvation first came to the people, it came first to the Jews. So here we see a story right on the onset of the word spreading outside of Jewish circles. And it goes to Cornelius. So we're going to see uh, Peter interacting with Cornelius, who was a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion. So let's jump right in. Actually, we're going to start at uh, verse 3. So we're talking about uh, Cornelius here, who's this Roman centurion. Verse 3, one day at about 3 in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? He asked. The angel answered, your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now, send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He's staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. So you got Simon staying with Simon, okay? With Simon also named Peter, so double Simon. Stay with me. When the angel who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier who was one of his attendants. He told them everything that had happened and sent them to Joppa. About noon the following day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. So we got Cornelius receiving this, this vision from the Lord. And, and what is his, rea- his reaction, his response? It's immediate obedience. You want me to do this? Okay, boom. He sends his people to Joppa. So if, if this was like a comic book, right, he'd be like, meanwhile, Peter is up on his roof and he's praying. So verse 10. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. So, like, that's kind of wild already. Like, this vision is like this big sheet coming from the four, like being carried down by the four corners. That's the representation of the four corners of the earth, right? So this is a representation of the entire earth, and you've got all of these different kinds of animals, reptiles, four-footed animals, all on this sheet, and the voice is telling him, the Lord is telling him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. 
So you should know that one of the, the Jewish laws was that there were certain foods that they could and couldn't eat. And if they ate something that was on the no-no list, they would be considered ceremonially unclean. And that wasn't something you wanted to do. You wanted to be as, as righteous as you could here. That's all according to the Jewish laws. So when he's hearing about, you want me to eat all these weird things? Like, that doesn't make sense. So here's his first response, verse 14. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times because, you know, Peter, he has to deal with things in threes. Like he denied three times here. Let me remind you the truth three times. He had this vision three times and immediately the sheet was taken back to heaven. While Peter was wondering about the meaning of the vision, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was and stopped at the gate. They called out, asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. So while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, Simon, three men are looking for you, so get up and go downstairs. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Peter went down and said to the men, I am the one you're looking for. Why have you come? So we see that theme again with, with the response that both of these men have to the voice of God, to the vision, to the angel. I'm going to be obedient. And that's what Peter does. He goes right down and says, hey, I'm the guy you're looking for. I'm the guy that you're looking for. Why are you here? So our first point, our first way that we should um, recognize that we need to embrace God, how do we embrace what God embraces, is to listen and respond to God's voice. Listen and respond to God's voice. We see it in Cornelius. As soon as that's what the voice had told him, as soon as that vision told him to go send these folks, boom, he's on it. Peter, now Peter, we know Peter's a little bit, you know, brash and like he, he doesn't really think through everything. At first he's like, no, like you got it wrong, God. Like I don't need to eat that stuff. And, but then God actually gives him a, a, a direction. Now go down there and tell them that you're the one. So he does that. But that's what we need to be doing. First and foremost, before anything, you guys, before you go out and, and, and really trying to, to, to be one as a community, you need to make sure that you're hearing from God. Are you listening to what God's actually saying, what he's hearing or what, what he's telling you to do? I know uh, I, I showed you guys a picture of my daughter, that, that rambunctious 12-year-old. And if you're a parent, you know they have a different concept of listening than some of us do, right? I know my daughter, she does this thing where, like, she will have one headphone in and on her computer doing whatever. And, and like, I'm trying to give her an instruction. And if I say, hey, go, go, go upstairs and clean up your room, uh-huh. That's how I know, okay, you heard me, but were you listening? Were you actually listening? And I can tell based on the response that she gives me whether or not she's actually, like, mentally clued in. And, hey, you guys, if I'm being honest, like, I do the same thing. <laughs> like, when I'm talking with my wife, I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Like, you get trained to just, and, and you guys, I think sometimes we get like that when God's talking to us. When God's calling us to do something, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep, 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 yep. Are we actually listening to what he's asking us to do? And you can see it clearly by the response. We know that Cornelius and Peter were listening because they respond. They go and they obey what God is actually calling them to do. And I think we need to really pay attention to some of the many things that God has actually called us as a church to do and called us to be about. We see some of that from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians. Let's look at Ephesians 4. 
um, 1 through 6. Uh, we'll jump in here uh, midway. It says, be completely humble. So this is uh, Paul talking to the church in Ephesus. We can receive this for ourselves as well. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. You guys are seeing that math. One plus one equals one. Yes, we were, we were called to be humble and to be patient and gentle and to make every effort to keep the unity. We didn't create unity. We didn't do this. We didn't put together the church. God did that. And then he's given us one task. Make every effort to keep it. So that means we've got some work to do, right? We've got to roll up our sleeves, and we have to actually work to keep that unity and, and keep that bond of peace that, that helps to build that unity. So we must search for ways that we can build up each other in community in order to keep the unity that the Lord expects us to keep. So let's go on and see what else we can learn about what God embraces as we remember that one plus one equals one. So uh, verse 22 in Acts 10, the men replied. So these are the men that are at uh, Peter's door, okay? And, when, and Peter's like, hey, so uh, what do y'all need me to do? The men replied, we have come from Cornelius the centurion. He's a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. A holy angel told him to ask you to come to his house so that he could hear what you have to say. Then Peter invited the men into the house to be his guests. So first of all, Peter's taking a step right here, you guys. This isn't something we should just gloss over. These are Gentiles. These are the other. These are folks that they really shouldn't be hanging out with. And he invites them in. So this is, this is good. Peter's opening up his mind based on what he's hearing from God. Uh, the next day, Peter started out with them. So he's being obedient. He's going. And some of the believers from Joppa went along. The following day, he arrived in Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. So Cornelius, he's got his whole gang there. He's like, all right, everybody, y'all got to come hear this. We got this dude, Peter, coming all the way from way far away to be right here. He's coming from Joppa. Let's, let's, let's listen. So uh, as, as Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. But Peter made him get up. Stand up, he said. I am only a man myself. Verse 27. While talking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. Pay attention to this, you guys. Verse 28. He said to them, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent for me? Did you guys catch that? Did you, did, you, did you guys see that there? Peter's saying, hey, this is against our culture. This is against our laws. This is not normal for me, a Jew, to be here. But he didn't stop there. He said, but God showed me. But God showed me. So he's recognizing there is a difference between what his culture says, what his norms say, and what God says. I think the church, we need to get a but God says in our spirit. We need to get a, but God says, we know what the world says. We hear that all the time. Like, it's coming in in every avenue, every channel, what the world is saying. But are we hearing what God says, and are we recognizing that's what we should follow? So our second way to embrace what God embraces 
is to rebel against the norms that contradict the kingdom. Rebel against the norms that contradict the kingdom. There are things that, that your culture, that your, your uh, family backgrounds, that, that your friend groups, that are normal for them, that they have expectations on the way that you would live and, and you would do life. But guess what? Some of those, I can tell you right now, some of those go against the kingdom of God. And those are the ones you should rebel. Rebel against those. Rebel against the norms that contradict his kingdom. We need to stop being normal and start being heaven sent. We're not called to be like everyone else. We're called to represent the kingdom of God. And just so y'all know, if, if you're hearing God as I'm speaking, it's okay to say like, amen, or all right, oh, yeah. I, I'm just <laughs> so, you guys, we can't, we can't wait for our, our communities, our friendships, uh, uh, the, the groups that we're all a part of to really warrant diverse thinking and embracing unity across backgrounds and cultures. We need to be leading the way. We need to be out in front of this because this is where we're going. We are citizens of heaven. Like, do y'all know that? Like, check it. Like, you're here on a visa. You know what I'm saying? Like, there is an expiration date on the time that you are going to be here on this earth. This is not your home. This, you do not have a citizenship for heaven or for, for earth. You've got a citizenship in heaven if you've called Jesus your Lord. So that, those are the norms that you should be following. Those are the expectations that you should be aligning your heart with, okay? You've got a visa. It's a short-term thing. My wife, when, when she came here, she was here on a visa. And she's, uh, for the past, you know, few Gosh, for a few years, she's been dragging her feet with trying to get the citizenship thing. But she's got her green card. And, and she's working towards citizenship. But right now, she currently has a citizenship for Italy because that's where she, she was from and that's where she lived most of her life. And what she's trying to do is this thing that is a blessing for a lot of folks, depending on what countries you're from, is where you can get dual citizenship. Where you can have the rights and privileges of being a citizen in one country and at the same time have the same ones in another country. You could get two passports. So she's working towards dual citizenships to have the privileges of both locations. And I think we as the church try to do that too. That we're, we're trying to have the citizenship in heaven. Yes, Jesus, I want to live there with you in eternity. That is my home. And at the same time, I want this to be home. Can I make this home? I want a citizenship here. And we got to recognize that is a lie. That is what the enemy wants us to do. He wants us to get comfortable in this place here and not recognize that we are here for a limited time for the purpose of our God. Is he worthy of us to focus on what he's called us to do and not just our comfort? So we need to rebel against those norms that contradict the kingdom. Romans 12 tells us this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's God's word that renews our mind. So we shouldn't be concerned what the world says, but what God says. Okay, I'm going to call you guys to interact here for a second. Bear with me. When I point to you, here's all you got to say is, but God says. But God says, okay, so it's time you can wake up. All right, you ready? The world says we should never be friends. Ooh, y'all are good. That we are family. We are family 
in Christ. The world says that there's hurts and pains that I could never forgive. I died to forgive all. Don't hold a grudge. The world says our politics should divide us. Your allegiance is to me and in Christ alone. You guys, one plus one equals one. We are one. The kingdom of God, that's where our allegiance should be. Those are the norms that we need to be aligning with. So what else can we do to embrace what God embraces? Let's continue on in Acts 10. So then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism. Whoa, we should pause there for a second. The father don't have favorites, y'all. He doesn't have favorites. He loves us all. He's embracing all of us, wants all of us to be back in that loving family together as one. He doesn't have favorites. What a truth bomb. Okay, verse 35. But accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. That they, then they asked Peter to stay with him for a few days. Did you guys see that there? As he, as he opens to talk, as he starts speaking finally to Cornelius and the crew, he begins with, you know what happened. You know the message that God sent. So this wasn't the first time that they're hearing all of this stuff. They'd heard some of this before. They knew about this Jesus. They, they knew part of the story. But God had sent him to finish the message. There's, a, there's another piece of this you need to know, and he explains to them about the resurrection, about the, the, the availability of this truth for all, that everyone who believed. And you guys, you got to know this. When, when someone's communicating a message, there's, there's a multiple things that are being communicated. There's what you say, and then there's what they see. So, yes, 
Peter shows up there, and he actually uh, uh, tells them about Jesus Christ being resurrected from the grave. Tells them about how that applies to them if they would receive that. But you guys, that wasn't the end of the message. That wasn't all the message that God wanted Peter to share. He wanted him to finish that message by just the fact that he's there in their house going against the cultural norms. He's finishing that message with reaching out beyond the normal expectations. So that is the third point. The third thing that we need to recognize is how we can embrace what God embraces. Finish the message we preach with how far we'll reach. Where will you go? Where will you, where will you show up that people would not expect for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of, of being a living, breathing example of the truth of the message that you speak? The message that we preach is such an important one, so our lives have to align with it, have to match up with it. Now, I know I've talked a lot about travel here, you guys, but in the winter, I get excited to get out of winter time. I, I want to go on vacations, and I don't know about you, but there's something about, like, all-inclusive vacations that are just awesome, right? Like, on the front end, you can say, okay, I'm going to pay that price, and boom, it is done. I no longer have to think about it. I will just show up, and I will enjoy myself. All the, the food is going to be taken care of, all of the, the, the meals, the, the snacks, the drinks, uh, activities. Ooh, I don't have to worry about paying for scuba, golf lessons. Yeah, let's do this. And you have a blast with those all-inclusive vacations. Do you guys know that God is all-inclusive? God, we have an all-inclusive God. There's, there's nothing left out. No one is left out on the sides with our God. He is all-inclusive. But here's the reality. Jesus Christ is the exclusive way to him. We have a God of inclusivity, absolute inclusivity. But through Christ, it's exclusive. And here's the thing. If we as the church don't begin to truly with our lives embrace the fact that God is inclusive, those that are on the outside, they won't truly believe the truth that Jesus is the only way. So we have to embrace God's inclusivity so that people can believe the truth of Jesus' exclusivity. There's a lot of folks I know you know in your world that would be like, yeah, God's cool, God's cool. But you bring up Jesus, and it's like, well, well, come on, like, there's so many different kind of gods. It's cool. No, no. They, they don't know the truth. They, they, they will hear it, but if they don't see it in your lives, it, 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 there's half of the message. Half of the message is missed. you got to finish the message you preach with how far you will reach. And, you know, church, church is this awesome thing that God's created. It's such a beautiful thing. It is a place with blessing, family. We're, we're one people. But church is not a vacation, y'all. Like, this isn't a vacation. Yeah, God's all-inclusive. He's invited us in. And now he's sending us out to go. Church is not a vacation. This ain't a cruise liner. I love this one I've heard. Church is not a cruise liner. It is an aircraft carrier. Like, you, yeah, you're, you're all in. Come on, get aboard. Now, guess what? Get built up, get fueled up, and go. And go. Go to the ends of the earth. Go to Judea. Go to Samaria. Preach that message and live that message. We cannot, we cannot just get so comfortable in, in this place that, that we're trying to call home. We have to recognize this is a mission field. Your lives, your communities, your friendships, there's a mission that God has for you specifically. 
Now, I know there's not a ton of very specific applications that I've given you in this message, but I wanted to start off this series just letting you guys remember, soak on the truth of what God has built, this beautiful oneness, and what God's calling us to do to go and to demonstrate that love. Now, there are specific things that he's called each and every one of you in here to do. Each and every one of you, right? The one plus one, it ain't just one. One plus one plus one plus one plus one plus one equals one. And we've all got something to do. And here, here's what we're going to do to close out. I want us to pray. Is it okay if we spend some time in prayer? I want us to pray that God would speak to your heart today or as you leave and throughout this week so that you would have a very clear very clear understanding of what God's next step for you is as we do what God, we want to embrace what God embraces, right? He embraces all. He embraces the rich. He embraces the poor. He embraces the widow. He embraces, he embraces the president. He embraces the protester. He embraces the kneeler. He embraces the stander. He embraces all. So let's pray right now that we would get a clear understanding of what God would call us to do to demonstrate that loving embrace that he has for the people in our lives. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for your word, your word that lights us up, that challenges us, that cuts us even, Lord God. And we thank you that your word also heals. And we pray that as we we continue out the rest of this day, out the rest of our week, that you would be speaking very clearly to us, like you spoke clearly to Cornelius, like you spoke clearly to Peter and all the other apostles that we read. Lord God, that you would speak clearly to us and that we wouldn't be just like hearing, like listening, like hearing you, but we would truly be listening and responding to your voice. Make it very clear that it is you speaking and that this is the call that you've given us. This is the mission that you've given us. This is the next step of obedience that you've given us, Lord God. We submit to you, and we ask that you would, you would toss our, our old citizenships of this earth away, and we receive that singular citizenship of heaven. Align our hearts with you in your kingdom. Let your mission be ours. Send us, and we thank you that you go with us. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.